0: Listening to the Community Power Podcast brought to you by Groundswell. We're building community power through Community Solar. Learn more at Groundswell.org. And now your host, Energy Coach Dave. All right, welcome to Groundswell Community Power Podcast. My name is Dave Wright. Joined here by my colleague, Pastor Dante King. And we are joined in studio today by a distinguished guest, Mr. Mustafa Santiago Ali. Mustafa is the Senior Vice President of Climate, Environmental Justice, and Community Revitalization for the Hip Hop Caucus. So at Mustafa, we're honored and excited to be here in the studio with you. Thanks for being here.
1: Thank you for having me.
0: To start off, um, I was hoping to just learn a little bit more about your background. Um, could you tell us just where you grew up, but, uh, where you were educated, and what inspired you to have a career in envir- environmental and social justice?
1: So I got involved in environmental justice work actually as a student super incredibly blessed and you guys will hear me talk about blessings a lot because it's important in my life i was raised in a family of baptist and pentecostal ministers mm-hmm. and um having the you know the you know some some real understanding of uh, how nature comes together along with some of the impacts that are happening in our communities and how we have to find a way to be able to honor you know both of those different sort of paradigms that are going on whether we're talking about conservation or environmental justice or in- injustices that are happening. So. I was lucky that I had folks like Hazel Johnson, who's the mother of the environmental justice movement, who adopted me, pulled me in when I was very, very young. You know, folks like Dan Damu Smith, one of the most incredible organizers um, that's ever lived in in our country, um, and a huge champion uh, for our most vulnerable communities, and a number of the other leaders, both on the civil rights side and the environmental side. So uh, those are some of the reasons that I always talk about being blessed, because having so many incredible folks who took time to teach me the proper ways of looking at these issues, addressing these issues, and staying accountable for these issues has has been an incredible ride.
2: That's great. You mentioned uh, being accountable for these issues, which which is uh, awesome work that you're doing. Um, Tell us about the work that you're doing with the Hip Hop Caucus. (laughs) I I like the name Hip Hop. I'm a hip hop head, and so when you hear Hip Hop Caucus, um, tell us about the work you're doing with the Hip Hop Caucus and the organization, what are you trying to achieve um, with this organization?
1: Well, you know, the Hip Hop Caucus, you know, uh, Reverend Yearwood helped found that almost 14 years ago now. Actually, we'll have our 14th anniversary and, and just down the road here a little bit. And uh, as you all said, you know, non, uh, non-profit, non organization, but very focused on culture and how uh, culture can help to drive policy, how it can help to make sure that we are reclaiming our power. Um, and that, you know, we are holding those accountable, um, you know, for the choices that are being made uh, inside of our community. So, you know, the Hip Hop Caucus has a number of different things, and one of the reasons I went there was because I looked at the different sets of work that were going on, and based on my 20 plus years of, of doing this work, I knew that these were important elements for us to make real change happen. One of those is getting folks engaged in the civic process. So we understand that there is power inside of our vote, both on the local and the county and the state level and on the federal level. And when we don't get engaged in that process, then we are giving that power up. We are letting others make decisions about what will happen inside of our communities. Whether we're talking about who is being elected as judges or as chief Chief police or sheriffs um, or the other folks who are making other types of policy decisions, so we at the caucus have the Respect My Vote campaign, mm-hmm. registered over 600,000 folks to participate in the civic process since it began. And we utilize culture again in that space. So we have a number of artists who are a part of that, who utilize their platform to reach people who sometimes might not see themselves reflected uh, in the civic process in voting, to let them know that you know there are individuals who you see on TV, you mm-hmm. see on the stage, who are saying this is important. Um, so, you know, you have folks like Vic Mensa, who everybody knows now. Vic was recently here at the March for Our Lives and helped to kick off the training that we had uh, in that space. You know, you have people like Antonique Smith. You have people uh, in the past like T.I. So T.I. was one of our first spokespeople uh, for the Respect My Vote campaign. And, and you know, at that time, T.I. wasn't even sure uh, if he can be a part of it because he has some things going on exactly. in his life. Yeah. But we said, you are just the type of person yeah. who can best connect with young brothers and sisters, you know, who are out there, who sometimes may not understand why this is so important. You have people like Wiz Khalifa, 2 Chainz, uh, Amber Rose. So many different folks have been a part of that. So that's one of the reasons that I went to the caucus also is because the power that exists inside of our vote. The other one was uh, people's climate music. So you being a hip hop head, you understand how uh, important it is for those artists uh, to be able to talk about civil rights, to be able to talk about social justice, to be able to talk about environmental justice, to be able to talk about how important a clean energy economy is for us to be able to move forward and make real change happen. Um, So you have a huge amount of artists who are in there. I often say that I literally personally know probably a thousand of the top scientists, not just in our country, but across the world. And if I got all those folks together in a room and let's say we had, you know, a big audience were there and I put them on stage, probably about 10% of what they said would actually connect with folks. Yeah. It's not that the information is not important, it's sure. how you deliver the information. Yeah, right. But if I put Jay-Z or Beyonce or Vic Mensa or so Chance the Rapper well. and they start to say something, first thing people are going to do is pull out their cell phones because they going not want a selfie. Mm-hmm. But besides that, they're going to begin to look deeper into these issues. Why do these folks see value in this? What is it that I'm not paying attention to? And that's the beauty of people's climate music. And in 2014, we put together the home album, Heal Our Mother Earth, with a number of incredible artists like Common and Neo, uh, L. Varner, again, Antonique Smith. I mean, the list goes on and on. And all of those folks saying that these issues are important, and we are going to lend, um, you know, our, our platform yep. to yep. be able to better connect with folks. We have the Revitalizing Vulnerable Communities Program, which is extremely important, and I know the work that you all do directly ties into Mm -hmm. that. Absolutely. And the reason being is that, let's say that we have a coal-fired power plant, an incinerator that's inside of a community, and we find a way to either get them uh, into compliance or, you know, they decided they're going to shut down those types of things. We still have a number of other dynamics that are going on inside of our communities reason that we have to revitalize our communities is so that they are no longer attractive to those negative types of industries mm-hmm. moving in. And we're filling that space with positive types mm-hmm. of uh, economic opportunities. We're also helping to continue to, you know, make sure that the environment is better cleaned up. So we're talking about housing issues, transportation issues, renewable energy issues, job creation, mm-hmm. uh, so forth and so on. And that's a part of the Revitalizing Vulnerable Communities work. And we're creating an institute in Spartanburg, South Carolina, right, um, right. where change has been happening uh, you know, for a few years now uh, under Harold Mitchell's leadership. Uh, so that's another one. Then we have the Divest Invest campaign. Extremely important also. Helping folks to understand that we have to move these portfolios away from fossil fuel heavy uh, to greener and cleaner portfolios. Um, whether we're talking about pension funds, whether we're talking about academic institutions divesting uh, and moving forward um, in what I often call a 21st century paradigm. We've got way too many people who are operating on a 20th century paradigm thinking that is what we have to do. That status quo is no longer acceptable to many, many folks across the country. Um, So helping folks to understand that there is a better way uh, and here are some some of the steps you need to do to take that.
0: So here at Groundswell, we talk often about uh, the term energy equity. Mm -hmm. And I wonder if you could unpack that for us a little bit. What does that mean to you? And also kind of in the lens of environmental justice, how do you think about energy in that space? Sure. So, you know, energy equity
1: uh, has some different sort of dynamics that go along with that. Um, And and, and so let's, let's look at it a couple of different ways. So we're talking about, of course, moving folks to a uh, better use of renewable energy, right? But sometimes we get lost in the minutia around that and the sense of the access to that cleaner, greener, renewable energy, and folks being able to actually fully participate in that and be able to utilize that because we could have a whole lot of wealthy folks who have solar on their rooftops but there won't be the same level of access for maybe working class folks or lower income folks. So you know we gotta, we gotta make sure that that is a part of this new paradigm that we all keep talking about, this work that's going on. For me, the other part that's important under energy equity is for folks of color and low income folks to have the opportunity to be able to create their own businesses in this space. Because when we have uh, these new economies that develop, but they're not fully inclusive of everyone, then we leave gaps. When we leave gaps, others will find a way to manipulate those gaps uh, and weaken that positive movement going forward. So for me, those are the different parts uh, of energy equity um, and we have to think critically about that. Now, if you wanna get real deep into it, you wanna have some real talk, we can talk about making sure that when we have these new energy companies that are coming into spaces and places, that they look like the people whose communities that they're moving into. Absolutely, absolutely. When we look at the boards of these individuals, we need to make sure that there's diversity in those boards, especially in the power structures, and making sure that folks of color, indigenous populations and others have the opportunity to be leaders and decision makers inside of that space. So for me, those are all connections to energy equity. And when we leave uh, those spaces open, then we're not getting everything that we can out of this. And we know that in the day and time that we live in, we must have a movement where, you know, silos are, are busted, mm-hmm. that we are much more inclusive, that we are honoring the voices, innovation uh, of all of our residents and citizens if we want to win on these issues. Mm-hmm. Uh, that's
2: that's great you said that. And, uh question i want to ask you because we're going to kind of segue right there so how do you get that message across uh to the mainly african-american community um we hit grounds where we do what's called share power mm-hmm. and our goal is to you know allow those who are lmi families that can't afford solar yeah. to be a part of the process but how do you get that message across i you know we, we know what solar because we've seen it on someone home or yeah. solar city in the mall but how do you get that message to our community that's been disenfranchised, Mm -hmm. haven't had a seat at the table, they've been marginalized, and at best they've been used by some of these people that come to their community, they don't provide jobs, Mm -hmm. they don't provide training, they provide promises, then they're out. So how do you get that message to a community that this is like speaking Greek to?
1: Uh Well, I I do something I call check the rec. In Mm -hmm. other words, check the record of folks who are coming into your community to see if what they're saying is actually true or not. You know what? Is, what is your track record uh, in other communities that you have been in? Uh, I need to see some references before you're gonna move into my space. Don't say receipts. You I need see, some receipts. Ex- I did see some receipts and some references, because <laughs> yeah. uh, you know folks gonna pick up the phone and be like, you know, Company A is saying that they did this and that there were benefits like this. Is this true? Um, so you know, but you know, the social justice world, the the uh, environmental justice world, the you know, clean energy world is becoming more connected and uh, It's not as difficult as it once was to validate uh, some of the things that are going on. That's one part. The other part is, is that we have to be able to translate this energy and opportunity into a language Mm. that connects with the people where they are. So I've always done this thing. I call the barbershop and beauty salon. So if, if, if it's hitting in the barbershop and the beauty salon and people are talking about it, then you know that you are connecting with folks. Um, and, and those, in many instances, are the, um, are the cultural influencers uh, for, for everyday folk. So, you know, you can see artists uh, up on the stage, but you may not ever meet them. But, you you know, you're you gonna know Miss Phyllis who owns the beauty salon uh, down the way and, and where lots of people are coming in, spending time uh, and getting done what they need to get done. So, you know, that's the other part. Here's the third part to, to your question you have to be able to share real world examples of how change is happening. So you can come to me with all kinds of different ideas and and opportunities, but I need to know somebody who knows somebody that real change has happened. So that's why the work that you are doing here at Groundswell is so important, because you can point to those examples of how real change is happening. You can point to folks like Reverend Leo Woodbury in South Carolina, with his training initiative around solar and and changes that they're trying to make and training people up. You can talk about the work of Harold Mitchell and the Regenesis Project in Spartanburg, South Carolina, where they're putting the 35 acre solar farm in. You can talk about brothers like Gilbert Campbell, who owns Volt Energy, or a brother who owns Imani Energy. So all of us together, having those real world examples of how change can happen and how our own folks can benefit from that Is how you connect with folks.
0: Thanks for listening to the Community Power Podcast hosted by Groundswell. We're a solar nonprofit based out of D.C. working to support our neighbors of all backgrounds by creating widespread access to clean, affordable energy. To find out more, check us out at groundswell.org. Once again, thanks for listening, and join us next time for the Community Power Podcast.